On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing 1984's Savage Streets, starring Linda Blair. Fucking iceberg. Now don't go away. Hi, uh, ho, uh, hey, uh, to another episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm Brandon, and as always, with me is your tough as a bear trap co hoster, Cullen. I should really think of something clever to say, and I never have it. I freeze every time. Cult Cinema Cavalcade is a bi-weekly movie podcast that finds Cullen and myself discussing a film from cinema's past, considered, but not limited, to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, every episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Today we're here to discuss Savage Streets from 1984. Cullen... Why are these streets so damn savage? A teenage vigilante seeks revenge on a group of violent thugs who raped her handicapped sister and killed her best friend. Savage Streets is directed by Danny Steinman. Written by Steinman with Norman Yanomoto and stars Linda Blair, John Vernon, Robert Dreyer, Linnea Quigley, Lisa Freeman, and Johnny Vinegar. Uh, Thank you for returning or showing up for the first time to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Our episodes drop every other Monday. Please take time to check out and like our Facebook page. And follow us on Twitter at Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can contact us by those means or check out our email, mail at Cult Cinema Cavalcade, which means we have a website, cultcinemacavalcade.com. Someday we'll be good enough to be on the front page of the dead radio entertainment network one of these days <laughs> we're gonna reach for that shiny brass ring now on to savage streets this week the week that our episode is dropping here is the same week as linda blair's birthday and we here at colson mccavocate are big fans of her and she's a b-movie queen truly at the, at the highest level and so we wanted to celebrate with one of our favorites of her movies that she did. I think I'm more likely to watch this than The Exorcist. And I'm not saying that this is better than The Exorcist. I like The Exorcist a lot. But this is more of a, like, we got to watch this. You got to check this out. The Exorcist is an amazing film. But, like, after The Exorcist, her career is really weird. She started with, like, the ultimate piece of prestige and then wound up being just, like, B-movie savant, but I think it was she was just picking roles with, like, you know, she got to be a lead and do, like, strong, cool stuff all the time and do some risque things, which is, you know... The rest of her career seems to be proving that she's no longer a child. It's kind of what the rest of her career was. I mean, I guess, I mean, she made a good enough living at it. I mean, she never... You know, I think she only stopped acting when she wanted to, I guess, and I don't even know if she's even stopped acting as long... 
it's more so that she just has other interests now. And I'm sure those extra just residuals are pretty pretty good. Uh, yeah, she's probably making most of her money off of Exorcist residuals. I don't know how much her other movies are getting played. Yeah, she does do conventions here and there a bit, and she's mm-hmm. very very active saving animals and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. She probably gets most of her residuals from The Exorcist 2, because that seems to be on TV a lot more than the first one. <laughs> It must, it must call like a, cost like a buck fifty to run the thing because it's always on. I shouldn't say always, but it's on more frequently than the the original is. You only see that like in uh, October sometimes. People like a good laugh. <laughs> well, I don't even know if you. Would, well, I mean, I guess it's funny. It's it's more so just like God, this movie's still going. When's it gonna end? Like, oh, good, he's a locust now. It's almost over. Thank God. So let's dig in to Savage Streets here. The movie is, as noted before, directed by Danny Steinman. Why do I like Danny Steinman? He's the director of Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. One of the most insane entries in any series ever and highly enjoyable because of such craziness. Well, this movie is insane and highly enjoyable, I feel. Well, parts of it are insane, I don't know if the whole thing is or, or not, but there are definitely parts that you just your jaw drops yeah. when you watch it. D- Danny Steinman only made two mainstream films. There were this and Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Before these, he made a, he directed a porno. Hmm. A, like the thing, I think there's something. I'm not gonna say Danny Steinman's like some prestigious director, but he could have been like a master of like this kind of like sleaze tinge he puts on things. Like, mm-hmm. this, this, this feel he has. Yeah the, yeah, the fifth Friday the 13th really did feel, like, kind of sleazy, but not, like, gross. It was just kind of, like, I don't know, just had a, a slight ick feeling. Yeah, this, but it, but and it, Savage Streets has that, too. Like, it's definitely made by the same guy. Yeah, but it's still it's still very engaging, icky. It's not like, oh, God, why? It, ew, why'd you make that choice? It's fun <laughs> and it's enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> There are fun parts of this movie, and there are terribly dark parts of this movie. Right. I would go for I would venture to say that this movie is darker than Friday the 13th Oh, wait, way part darker. Five. Yes, way and darker. That and that has the highest body count of any of them before Jason X. <laughs> the body count yeah. of this movie is five. That one had like 20, I think 22. Oh, really? Yeah. Holy crap. Yep, it had 22. That's outrageous. And before Jason X, that was the highest body count. It's the one Jason X sent out to annihilate. Wow. Well, congratulations, Jason X. But you're not quite as good as Savage Streets. We open this movie with a kid leaving his parents' house. And it's this boy and his dad wants him home because he's got school tomorrow. So that lets us know he's still in high school. And he, and he uh, goes around the corner and he quickly changes his, his clothes. And coming around the corner is this like convertible, like old school greaser car. And he's picked up. Yeah, you gang. know they're bad boys because they drive a convertible. This gang called this punk gang called the Scars, and they start like hassling him because he's they want him to come ride with them. He's he's yeah. one of them apparently. That's yeah. So, you know, say what you want about the internet, but at least because of the internet, things like this don't happen anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, good news. I'd rather have this guy on 4chan. Than a cruising around town in a freaking car. Yeah, because these guys go cruising down Hollywood Boulevard and they're drinking beers and smoking and then like haggling women. Yes, they are. They're 
they're already like immediately like awful people. I mean, they're so like, who's the girl that's like, oh, these guys are so sweet, gonna hook up. Like, what are these guys thinking? Like, they're the, there's like the <whistles> nice, nice lady, and then there's these guys, which is just the lowest. and like, I, like, a, like at this point in the movie, like you know they're howling at women or whatever, and like there are some of them they're like, oh you, like what? No, these are obviously jerks. <laughs> And I and I wrote down at this point we don't know that their gang are called the Scars. So in my notes I just wrote down uh, jerks. That's what they are. Clearly they're jerks. And I was not proven wrong at any point in this movie. No. These guys are driving. We meet up with our girl gang led by Linda Blair as Brenda strolling down Hollywood Boulevard looking like some badasses. We, we know that uh, Linda Blair's a badass because she's wearing sunglasses. She's wearing sunglasses and no bra. <laughs> I like one of those things. Hey, our last episode had a guy named Shades, too, you know? Hey. <laughs> oh, I like these shades a lot better. And then this uh, first of many kick-ass songs from the soundtrack plays, this one's Nothing's Gonna Stand in Our Way. Like I, I hate like hair metal, but there's something about like it's, it's, I, I, I don't know if these songs are good, but they are entertaining and they rock like they get you <laughs> pumped. They get they, you they will, like yes. Yeah, they will rock your ass. You're like, yeah. That's what the name of the band should have been. Rock your ass. I think rock your ass is probably an inappropriate name for uh, for what's going to happen in this movie, though. So yeah. So there, there's this awesome song. You're just kind of getting in. You know, it's it, you can tell it's like. It's not a Friday night because they have school the next day, but... Yeah. <laughs> they go to the sergeant supply store and look at just, like, hunting supplies, like a crossbow and a bear trap, but it's not for nothing. It's going to come back later. And I also thought, like, all right, this is obviously a, a town, a a, lar- a large enough city. It's Hollywood it- Boulevard. That's where they're at. Okay. Well, it's- they don't... But they never mention that they're in Hollywood, so... Or in L.A. Across, you can see this. They do make a close-up of the stars. Um, their feet walking on the Walk of Fame stars. Okay, so, okay. It's clearly established they're in L.A. Okay, yeah. great. Here's the thing. Why are they selling bear traps in L.A.? There's not a lot. I mean, what do you... We, I, I've been in that store before. I don't remember bear traps, but it's like <laughs> a it's an army like surplus store. Well, you know, the army is known for catching bears. That's one of, that's like the oath they take when they join the army to catch bears. I wouldn't put it past that store to maybe have something if you asked in the back, but not in the window. But it also looks like it was set there by the crew. I mean, it's (laughs) clearly yes. With Brenda and the gang is the innocent, sweet little sister Heather, played by Linnea Quigley. She is deaf. It's so funny that she's with them because all these girls, you know, they're supposed to be tough girls. And then there's the most, like, innocent-looking girl. And it's not even, like, her face looks innocent. Like, you know, all the other girls are wearing, like, leather jackets and tight clothes. And she's wearing this very form-concealing dress. And, you know, it's got, like, a white collar, and it's long and everything. And you just, like, look at him like, what? Is she lost? Is <laughs> Did she accidentally are... walk too close to them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is Are they showing her how to get home? What? 
what would you say is going on here? Brenda's really protective of her because they start to, like, drink around her. She's like, hey, no booze. It does seem weird that they do all these rough things, but around her, they, they, they shouldn't. It just seems like maybe, maybe they shouldn't do it at all if there's a problem. Seems strange. So they decide they want to go get ice cream, but on the way, the punk dudes spot them on the sidewalk, and then they decide, like, speed around the corner, but they almost and they almost hit Heather, and a big shouting match ensues with the punks and the, the girls. The main guy, Jake, insists that those guys all apologize to the girls, and the guys want to, hey, let's go party, but then Brenda tells them off, and they uh, go about their business. Yeah, she, she gives them the finger because she's a bad girl. And the punks later, uh, we then follow them, and they accost this dealer that works for them who owes them money and, and, and this guy's girlfriend in a parking lot. And in order to get their money from him, they push him up against the wall and rip his girlfriend's shirt off and pretty much molest her, playing with her nipples and stuff. Yeah, like right in front of him. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's that one named Fargo. Like, that guy is like, the biggest asshole, right? I mean, Jake is the head honcho, but the Fargo guy is just ridiculous. Yeah. You almost like, feel oh. like that guy was like one of those like real people they put in movies, where it's like, yeah, <laughs> get him in there, like, and he's like, oh, I get, I get to touch a bunch of boobs and stuff. And like he doesn't, guess. he doesn't know it's a movie. Yeah, he just, <laughs> he just thinks that he's actually part of a gang, and all he got, does is wear bandanas and does crunches. That's all this guy seems to do <laughs> right. this time. Meanwhile, the girls are at a magazine stand and uh, talking about schlongs. Because they're bad girls. Hey, guys. <gasps> Would you check Excuse out me? the schlong on him? Uh, you know, I'll bet he has to put it on the nightstand when he goes to bed. Because <laughs> apparently, Colin and I love to watch movies where girls talk about male genitalia. It has been a trend. This is like the third one in a row, isn't it? Yeah, 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 this is three movies in a row. It's our Wang trilogy right here. They spot the punk guys across the street doing something, and they all agree that they need to teach them a lesson, so they steal their car and drive off, and the guys you know, give chase on foot but can't catch them. And we then cut to the girls eating ice cream. Which seems odd. Which... <laughs> but yeah. They've... If committed, committed, uh, I don't know, is, is it a felony? We'll say it's a felony. Why not? Because then we it, come around, the punks find the car, and they, like, literally trashed it. Yeah, it's full of garbage. <laughs> like, actual garbage. Like, garbage, garbage cans, banana peels, trash. How dare you try to pick us up? Yeah, that'll learn them. <laughs> Those dudes, they are pissed. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's trash in their car, and they were not invited to ice cream. So I can understand. I'd be upset, too. Uh, Jake, he likes two scoops. <laughs> yeah, Yes, he does. Unfortunately, he does. Next day at the school, we have a gym class. Like, a, like is it like aerobics being taught? Yeah, like, like the least active gym class I've ever seen. Like, it's just them, like, marching in place. Well, they got, like, a an instructor who's, like, Brutal. Like, there's this back and forth with her and the girls. It's just like, whoa. Pick it up, Brenda. Stop it, bitch. It goes for you too, Stella. Kids, my black ass. Get that ass up, will ya? Get moving, Francine. Up yours. Yeah, that's kind of the way it is with, uh, like, the teacher's 
the the student teacher relationship in this school is just hey fuck you you know what no fuck you yeah you know like they never say that but that's kind of the attitude that's thrown back and forth yeah that's that's what it is and the outfits the girls are wearing <laughs> during like this are gym class outfits yeah, you know, like how, like most schools, it's, you know, kind of a uniform, you know, it just could be just like shorts and a shirt or whatever. But what they're wearing is ridiculous, especially uh, Linda Blair has the most outrageous one, I right. think, because she, she's dressed like a mother that is trying to seduce one of her son's friends. That's how she's dressed. <laughs> I, I was sitting there for a minute. I was watching it like nothing was going on. And mm-hmm. then and then I realized, like, wait a minute. This isn't how teenage girls dress in gym this, class. This like that girl's like like multiple midriffs, and like like one of the girls has like her headphones on in the middle of the class. It's like this is a very there's no discipline in this school. The scars visit a guy who owes them money at his locker, and then the principal <laughs> says. Comes in. This has a series of quotable lines. Oh, yeah. This is just, you know, rambling them off like, whoa, this is pretty awesome. Played by John Vernon. Animal House's John Vernon. I don't know what happened to him in the 80s, but he wound up in some B-movies I really like a lot. So more power to him. Every role that he's in is this role. Authority, yeah. Yeah, like a jerk authority figure. The scars tell him that they came to pick up Vince since he's sick because he's like, he wants him out of school. And they're yeah, like, Vince is the guy from the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, yeah, the one that's still in school and kind of sketchy with the gang. He gets picked on. And they're like, who the fuck are you, the principal? And he's like, yeah. He <laughs> tells him, like, like, the quote, like, how about that? Go fuck an iceberg. Go fuck an iceberg. <laughs> yes. Amazing. The principal, the principal tells them this, like, Okay, what? <laughs> Who says that? Who's ever said that before? Yeah. But the thing I like that gets conveyed is while they, they sit and try to, like, not take Vernon seriously, the principal seriously and stuff, he holds his own and, like, by just standing his ground, scares him. Yeah. Like, they don't mess with him again. Now, why don't you take your faggot asses out of here <laughs> before I feed him to the cops? Even when he says stuff like, go fuck an iceberg, he's still considered... Intimidating, I guess. And I mean, no, just the way the look on his face, like it's the most one of the most perfectly delivered lines ever. Like, it's ridiculous, but watching him say it, you're like, oh shit, don't. Yes. Don't like he's, he's like, seconds away from, like he's a second away from pounding their skulls with his middle-aged hands. It's amazing. Cheerleading practice is also happening at this time uh, out in the football field, and we meet Cindy, the little perfect blonde, you know, popular prom queen type girl mm-hmm. and she's practicing in this uh guy wes who's generic letterman jacket guy comes, tall blonde yeah. handsome blah 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 probably plays sport <laughs> waves at her but he goes into the gym and he's uh got his eyes on brenda where i think at this point their workout has transitioned to them holding weights <laughs> no, uh, well, I don't even know if all no, of them were one holding of them's weights. holding weights. I, 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 one or two of them are holding weights, and then they're just kind of like their arms are extended, and they're just moving them in small circles, and that's the exercise that they're doing. It's movie workout. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's it's as impactful as Alyssa Milano's Teen Steam. It's that impactful <laughs> of a workout. Yeah. So like the West guy comes in, and, and Linda Blair's not interested in this guy at all. 
And he's like got like a boner or something when he's watching him. He like spreads his legs. <laughs> well, laugh. there's a real theme of uh, men being sexualized jerks in this movie. And he's just he's uh, one of the least awful males in this movie. Yes. He's still a prick. There's no doubt about that. But he's he's least he's the least bad. Outside the football field, under the bleachers, the punks are, are mad and drinking, and they're watching cheerleader practice, but then they spot Heather by herself walking to the gym, and Jake gets, he's just like, oh, gets an idea. Yeah, revenge. revenge. You can tell. Cindy comes into the gym and sees Wes checking out Brenda, and Cindy flips off Brenda, because that's her fault! Well, yeah, it's her fault that she looks so damn good. And, she, and she's wearing her bored housewife exercise outfits. Class gets dismissed, and Heather come, you know, brings uh, Brenda a present. Because like, everything with Heather and Brenda right now has to be like the most important moment that ever happened in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. She gets her lock and like, oh, love, love. And like, oh, God, what's going to happen to Heather? <laughs> like, that's, yeah, yeah that's too many nice feeling. things are happening. Yeah, like yeah. the music. Then we get a shower scene. Because, you know, this is Danny Steinman. He's got to have boobs. Yeah. So this is, uh, you said it's 1984. So it's still not uh, to the point where women uh, trim their, their pubes. We, I don't know what that year is, but 1984 is not the year. No. Uh, the phenomenon was not in place then. But we just have all these girls who are not characters in the movie, naked, showering for like many seconds of a pan over. Like there's two bays of showers we go by before we get to the lockers. It's a long pan. And like you said, we don't know who these people are. They're not the main characters. Mm -hmm. And then it pans over to the main characters and they're all wearing clothes. Yeah, they're they're uh, appropriately dressed. Yeah. And and I kind of thought like, oh, well, that's kind of, that's disappointing. One of the girls in the girl gang is getting married, Francine. They call her Fran. They call her Francie. Any version of Francine, they find a way to make it. Yeah. She's getting married that Saturday. While she's still in high school, while school's still going on, there's no finals. <laughs> yeah, and, who knows what time of year this is. And at the end of the movie, I, I pay attention, she's 17, so still might have another year of high school left. <sighs> but we have... Heather alone in the gym, and she has all this, like, slow motion stuff just parading the innocence of her. Like, she's just twirling in circles in yeah. the center of the gym, and and one of the punks is watching her. Red is his name. Yeah. The guy that looks the most, I'd, he's just very much a, like a, a, a punk archetype of a, a 1984 punk archetype, very much so, yeah. Like, he's the only one that looks like he's a punk. The rest of them are just a bunch of jerks. He's the only one that looks like he's in the punk music and yeah. lives that kind of life. Yeah. The other's just like 1980s, you know, one's like 1980s, Jake's like 1980s greaser type guy. Yeah. Just, just done modern. And then the other guy's just the, the jock yeah, like, that wanted to be a hippie. Like that's Fargo is. Yeah. Yeah. All the other guys just wear leather jackets. So. Yeah, you know, I I believe Red listened to The Cure or something like that, you know? like I Yeah, that. yeah. But Red, he comes in and he gets all sweet on Heather. Yeah, there's not, like, it feels like things are kind of uneasy, but it's not, like, necessarily terrible yet. It's like, where's he going with this? You, you just don't trust it. Of course you don't trust it, but you don't know where, what's going to happen. Where's this leading? Meanwhile, we go back to Brenda and Fran in the uh, showers. 
and she's mar- talking about marrying Richard. And yes, this is where she mentions she's pregnant, and Brenda will be the godmother. Because, gosh, yeah. we need that in high school. <laughs> yeah, crap. I believe this is where Cindy rears her ugly head up to Brenda, right? Yeah. And she confronts her, and and Brenda's like, dude, I wouldn't fuck him if he had the last dick on Earth. Just poetry. That's what everything in this movie is to me. And they fight. Yeah, like, uh, Cindy is, like, in her bra and panties, and they start, like, the fight in it. Transitions over to the Where showers. They can get wet in the shower, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Brenda is fully clothed, but she's fighting in the yes, shower. Yes. Yeah. Red and Heather are outside, and she's like teaching him sign language. And then he goes there, but going, "Hey, you know what this means?" By doing the like dick in the hole gesture. Yeah, with his hands, yeah. And she goes like, "No, I don't." Yeah. She shakes her head like, "No, uh, uh-uh. uh." And then he makes her do the gesture too, and. So we have this deaf girl, this naive deaf girl making the finger through the circle motion. And uh, yeah, he tries to force a big kiss on her and she runs away. But waiting at every other exit is the rest of the scars. And we um, have a a mesh of scenes between the shower fight and uh, the rape of Heather. There's some mixed emotions because the shower fight part pretty good it's it's entertaining like and for some reason between you know there's um brenda and cindy the the cheerleader are fighting each other but also in the background there's just like two naked women just like fighting each other like no one else is fighting everyone else is like cheering the fight on but for whatever reason there's just two women in the background yes wailing yeah, on. yeah there's like another fight going on two naked women just wailing on each other <laughs> in the background so like those scenes are awesome and you know but it's unfortunately you know intermixed with the 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 rape of of heather and it's really it is disturbing it's effective that's that's the thing it's not where a movie like this could have done it in like bad taste i think he never it's it's harsh but it never crosses a line yeah, it, it doesn't glamorize it. It doesn't it, it doesn't exploit it. it. It's just a very very scary situation. But but also what they do with it is is interesting is uh, Jake forces Vinny yeah. on top of her. I mean, it's character development for the Vinny character. Yeah. Showing so his his place in the gang and like his feelings on on everything. Yeah, they they force him yeah, so it's it. like, so it's like, is he a, a bad guy? Is he? <sighs> I mean, he's bad in terms that he doesn't do anything. He doesn't want to do it. Like it's two yeah. people being forced into this, but he... yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It is. It is two people being forced to have sex with each other because of this gang. I mean, I don't know if. I mean, maybe Vinny's a coward or or whatever, but that is a scary situation. There are three guys that are bigger and stronger than him making him have sex with this woman in front of them that's scary for him too these people that are supposed to be his friends so it's there's more going on to it than just like uh, she gets raped and it sucks it's like this is scary for multiple people and these guys are just oh there's a scene where like they fight over who goes second and then Jake and Fargo like kiss each other. Yeah, yeah. So these people are not. They're just yeah. These guys are just 
wild and yeah. fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah, exactly. They're wild. It's exactly correct. They just don't know what to do with themselves. They just... The scene happens. It's dirty. It's, it's, it's pivotal to, to what this film wants to be. And if you didn't like these guys beforehand, you fucking hate them now. Abso- yes, absolutely. You hate them. Brenda's in the principal's office, and she tries to smoke a cigarette? Exactly, more of that back and forth between the teachers and the students. And Cindy's in there crying, and the principal's, you know, tells her, hey, stop crying, stop crying, and then she she sucks it up, and he goes, Thank you. Now blow your nose and get the hell out of here. (laughs) He he does not order her to fuck an iceberg. Brenda ends up, you know, leaving with the girls and... She's like, ah, the principal, he, he'd been trying to get in my pants since I was a freshman. So they realize, oh, we got to go get Heather. And the punks, the scars, hear it, and they, they scramble to get out of there. And before he leaves, Jake, like, stomps on Heather's head. Yes. Yes, he does. Because he that didn't get his turn, I like, guess. Yeah. I don't know. The girls find her, and, you know, it's emotional. They go to the hospital, and, you know, she's in really bad condition. And the, the mom, mom's there. She says, it's all too much for her. And she's like, oh, I was supposed to open the store early. And, you know, Brenda's like, oh, I, I got this. You can, you can go open the store. I'm like, what mother would leave? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Like, yeah, like, I, I didn't see that at all. Like, if anything, like, they, both of them should be there the entire time with her. Like, the mother is only in this movie because the girls are in high school. If they weren't in high school, the mother would not be in this movie at all. She right. doesn't make any impact on... The, they just need someone to own the house they live in. And that's what the part that she plays. Right. But Brenda goes home later on and breaks down. We go to Club MX, where she decides to go and confide in the club manager there? Is that... I couldn't tell if it was... I thought it was just like a waitress. Well, I didn't know who I that know, was. I felt like it was the manager, because she wasn't like in any sort of dress, and she's older, and she's like telling waitresses to serve minors yeah no crap that's what i thought too like what how old are these girls this is a proper club and they're drinking i'm pretty sure someone's drinking beer No, they're all drinking but i i was wondering too they're all wearing like red jacket jackets to signify that they're maybe a gang the girls yeah you know mm-hmm. so they all have identical jackets i was wondering like Maybe this woman they're confiding in that runs the club is like maybe like a former member of theirs. I didn't even think like, about that like until you mentioned like it. Yeah, sororities that they have like a house <laughs> she's mom a house or mother. something. Yeah, like a house mother for them because she's significantly <laughs> older than these girls. Yeah, yeah, no, she is. Or maybe she just smokes a lot. Or, yeah, or maybe she's just like <laughs> she's not she... cared for a few years. She's weathered. She's definitely a weathered individual. Brenda decides, you know, it's up to us to make things right. Then we go to the the Scars leaving their home? Yeah, which is apparently a warehouse. Like a, a storage warehouse thing? Place? I. It's where we keep finding them. We never see them live at a house or anything else. Yeah, Vinny's the only one that we know lives in a house. Otherwise, they just live in a carpet warehouse. Right. Apparently. And they find Vince. They go out and find Vince at work. You know, he says he felt sick. And they're like, oh, you're going out with us. And, you know, force him to go out with them. Which, here's my thing. Like, why these? do these guys think Vince is, like, the coolest guy in the world or something? Like, why do they need Vince? 
uh, they, they need a fourth member, I guess. Is I don't know. Like high school connection. Like he's not a dealer for them. Like they think he's a loser. So like, why do they like want him? Like it makes like Vince. I don't think realize has like the power, I guess. Cause these guys just desperately want to hang out with him. I think they just want someone smaller to push around. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just the three of them, and they're going to fight over each other about who's in charge, probably. Well, but with like him, they if, all have someone to pick on. If it was the three of them, they'd pick on Red. That's why I feel like. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. He's yeah, he, he's just a punching bag for those guys. That's all he is to them. Back at the, the club, Fran and Richie talk about how they're going to move away and what a crappy town this is. And, you know, Brenda thinks she's stuck. Uh, miraculously, guess who shows up at the club? The Scars! <laughs> and they find a guy that owes him money, and this guy pays him. Yeah. And they're like, okay, out of here. <laughs> I mean, I, sh- it, like, came down to nothing. It was like, oh, here's your money. They keep harassing Vince about getting laid and uh, assault a waitress while doing so. Yeah, not just, like, they, uh, was it, um... Oh, what was it? Fargo, I think. Like he grabs yeah. her yeah, and guy, puts that her, yeah, yeah, puts him, puts her on his lap and like squeezes her, you know, her chest and just she's obviously scared and you know upset. Like, well, well yeah. I mean, why would you not be? Like, I wonder how many sexual assault lawsuits this guy got after <laughs> this movie got filmed. Because he just thought he could do it. It's like, yeah. hey, I, uh, I was in Savage Streets. This is what we did. Let's I'm do a scene together. <laughs> it's right. I'm, I'm getting ready for the sequel. Come on. Fran, she wants to go to the restroom. I've got to go to the bathroom so bad, I'm going to have to wring out my socks. Comes out, and uh, she, the scars here and grab her and start molesting her. And two dudes, two just generic average Joes, are like, hey, we're going to, you know, we better put a stop to this, guys. And he goes over, you know, Tells him they need to stop it. And then Jake tells Fargo to tell him he's sorry. And uh, they go to do that. And he punches one of the normal Joes and starts a bar fight. Richie sees Fran and he comes over and like punches Jake hard. And Fran gets free and takes a knife and slices Jake's face. Yeah, Richie, should be noted, is the fiance fiance of of, of, uh, Francine. Yeah, Yeah, which I, I like that that move where you see him just come flying across the bar and punch her in the face. Yes. Richie might be the only likable male character in this movie. And even he has some faults, but he's the best so far. Yes. At class the next day, uh, they're dissecting a poem. Richie has one of his own. Here it goes. An original. (laughs) Disco sucks. Punk is dead. Give me rock. Give me head. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. When he when he read his poem, God, it talks about giving head and everyone laughs and everything. And I thought (laughs) your friend was raped and she's in a hospital. That happened yesterday. And you're making these glib jokes. Well, he's making the jokes. All the, all the other classmates are like, ha, ha, ha. But Brenda's kind of just sitting there stoic. I mean, it was she her sister. She should be giving him a dirty look. It was like, her hey. sister it happened to. But I don't think she's just not paying attention. But still, like, so, okay, even if he didn't know her, someone was raped at their school. Yeah. That should be enough for him to not be making jokes about giving heads. True. But the, the teacher decides to analyze Richie's poem. 
Oh, you mean not Shelly Long? And then she, after class is over, she tells Brenda to stay after, and Brenda lights up in the classroom, smoking. <laughs> Again, the, okay. the relationship, yeah. And the teacher, she tells her she's sorry about you know her sister and and asks her how how Heather's doing, and if she needs anybody to talk to, she's there. And Brenda's like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> you know, she's like. I you see me like one to two hours a day. You don't know shit. You know, like it's like come on. Yeah, she she doesn't understand the savage streets. You ain't Michelle Pfeiffer. That's right. Go tend bar with Sam Malone. You don't know anything. <laughs> uh, Red later on finds Vince at school. Tells him Jake wants to see him. So uh, Vinny uh, gets his stuff out of his locker that's full of pornography. Pornography, yes. I couldn't believe, like, like what the hell kind of school is this? Yeah, what? Man, this school, if, if one person did an inspection, that, that school would be closed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are any of the teachers paid for their time? I, don't, I mean, what the hell's going on in this place? The girls are together, and Fran's worried about Jake doing something. And Brenda says he won't do anything, which means he's probably going to do something. <laughs> uh, Wes then interrupts this conversation to profess his feelings to Brenda. And Cindy shows up like she discovered something, and Brenda's like, fuck off. Their teacher comes in, and um, I'm very excited because the teacher is the other EMS guy from Friday the 13th Part 5. The one that thinks he's like hot shit and goes to pick up the waitress and snorts coke in his car. That's right. Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> that's who. I is. forgot about that. I... Yeah, because like he, he he walks into like the party in the chemistry room. Yeah. It's just so weird. It's like I was like, oh, is... there's a class. Yeah, like 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 how much time is there in between periods where like there's like like music playing and they're just all like dancing around. And like, what is going on here? Is this like, like after school? Like, nope, this is the middle of the day and they're just partying before class starts. He says he's going to teach them about the reproductive system. He pulls down his chart. Someone's drawn a big penis on his chart. Because it's hilarious. Penis our- vandalism is, is art. At this time and at this school, I'm not surprised. They're lucky that's all that happened. Vince gets in touch with Jake here and tells Jake that, you know, it's all over the school. You think the girl's going to die? Referring to Heather and Jake says, everybody dies. And the scars, (laughs) they now want to know how they can find Fran who cut Jake's face. We go back to class and Cindy gets called upon to talk in the sex ed class. And she refuses because her parents don't think it's appropriate to talk about this stuff. And then uses that speech to start taunting Brenda, pointing out the fact about her sister being raped, and they fight. And during yeah. the fight, Brenda gets on top and rips Cindy's shirt open. It's <sighs> This is uh, one of the instances in the movie where you're like, all right, nudity. I wish it was at a more appropriate time. You know, it's, just, <laughs> you know, it's like, like, I'm glad I get to see her boobs, but... Not like this. This doesn't feel good. Were those high school good. girl boobs? Man. You know, crap. I wish my high school was, well, <laughs> I don't wish it was like that because bad things happened. But <laughs> what the, some of the girls to look like that, that would have been cool. The funny thing I thought was that the teacher's there and he's trying to stop it, but like two dudes are holding them back. <laughs> yeah. And, and when Cindy gets up to run away with her shirt off, she like bumps right into him. He's like, uh, uh oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. Like he, he doesn't like take off his jacket to give to her or anything like that. He's he's my favorite Danny Steinman day player. That's all I have to say right there. <laughs> well, he looks sleazy. Yeah. He looks less gross in this than he did in um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. He was gross in that. Whenever we get to Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, I'll 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 talk about how I think. His one character encompasses everything you need to know about that movie. <laughs> you're, you're right. If it, if that movie w- was a, a human being, it would be him. You're it would right. Be him. Brenda's back in the principal's office for what she did, and he's like, the, you know, telling her the police are doing whatever they can about his sister. But then he says Heather shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. Like what it, the f- on your school grounds? Alone and, uh, in a gym. Oh, on a. Yeah, exactly. How dare she be by herself on school grounds? At the school she's enrolled in. Yeah, during the day. While outsiders that don't go there invade your school because you're not paying attention. I mean, shouldn't you, like, I don't know, have the place a bit more secured? Like, you don't need a security guard because, you know, they didn't really have them back in 1984. But I don't know. They shouldn't let drifters onto the campus. Yeah, that's a bit dangerous, but reckless. The principal isn't doing his job. That's the same conversation where he says to her, like, I don't understand, like your attitude or something like that. Like you've got you got a, a good mind and a pretty face and a great body. Like, yes. Oh, my God. What a dick. Like, he, you know, this is like in the same conversation where he says that her sister should not have been there. Right. So, yeah, I wish he I wish something bad would happen to him. But I wish like, you know what is you're 50-50 with the guy cuz he's a real dick here, but man, when he was with the punks, he's like the best <laughs> character in the movie for that first scene where we introduced him. He's like the Hulk that he's a a destructive force. And perhaps if you point him in the right direction, you can use that force for right, good. Right, yes. He's awful to the bad guys and he's awful to the protagonists as well. Yeah, he probably just he probably just goes home and like plays with guns or something. He does something bad. Is my point. He's a monster. And the monster suspends Brenda. She regroups with her girls and they talk about Fran's wedding plans. And Brenda tells Francie, "Nothing's gonna ruin your day," which is Brenda's it's... you know kiss of death. Yeah, yeah. When Brenda shows her love for someone, bad things happen. Yeah. So she's like she's like a Black Widow. There you go. And she dresses like Black Widow. <laughs> she, but only when she works out. Right. Fran goes to try in a wedding dress with the uh, Latina member of the gang. I never caught her name. The, this is another one of the movies where the names of characters come significantly later than when they're introduced. Like, I'm not sure when we learn Jake's name is Jake. Or, like, like right. I didn't realize, like, Fargo's name was Fargo. I thought until... it was Fargo. Like, yeah. F-O-G-G-O. <laughs> yeah. Like, There's no way they called him Fargo before 1995 or... Yeah, yeah, and that's what I thought, too. Like, that's weird, but, like, it was, like, I think it was, like, the third act before I noticed his name was Fargo. And that's for someone that's paying attention to the movie and taking notes, and I didn't notice it until then. Yeah, the, the clear character names for that get established for the most part are, like, Brenda, Fran, Fran, Vinny, and Heather. Those are, like, the ones. And Cindy, because it's written on her shirt. Yes, Cindy. So she's trying the wedding dress. I, I assume it's the Latina girl's mom that's making the dress. Sure. And for some reason, <laughs> she has to leave because we have to have Fran be by herself. And she's walking alone, and she gets spotted by the scars, 
and she they start following her. She walks to the most abandoned places possible and not notice the car following her. Yeah. Like, it's, like, right behind her. So they find her, and they chase her down, which winds up at a bridge. And then Jake fucking throws her off the bridge, and she goes splat, dead. Yeah. Like, he, just, he just freaks out. Like, this guy must have been, like, he looks like he was on coke. Like, I don't know if like, the actual guy was, but the character acts like he was just coked right. up all the time. Because he has wild mood swings and just so much violence comes out of this guy just for no damn reason. He's insane. Yeah, and Vinny is, like, freaking out because he's like, you guys just said you were going to scare her. It's like, dude, really? You thought? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what did you think it was going to be another rape? Like, what you've seen what <laughs> these guys can do. Yeah, think about what we did to you, and we like you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so Vinny freaks out and screams, "I hate you!" Yeah, and, and rightfully and it sounded, so. I had flashbacks to Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> it sounded exactly alike. It was like, "I hate you." Well, maybe the inspiration for uh, Darth Vader's turn was uh, was from Savage Streets. Hayden Christensen, big Savage Streets fan. Wouldn't it be great if George Lucas handed him like a DVD of this movie and said, watch this, you're Vinny, use it. Vinny runs away, runs. He, he, he runs off. And, and as, he, as he ran off, I sat there and I thought, wait a minute, where are the other cars? This is on a bridge in the middle of the day in L.A. Well, and no, there's no one cars. One car goes by. One car goes by. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I saw that one car, too. And I, and I thought, like, how does no one see this guy throwing this poor girl a, off a bridge? This car goes by. It's like there's a man holding a woman over his head as if he's going to throw her off the bridge. And you did nothing. Yeah, how did you not notice this thing? One car did go by. I noticed that. I'm like, oh, my God. Because I was like, okay, no cars are here. That's why, you know, no, these people, like, in their rear view, if because you know driving by, they saw that. They look back. They would have seen him throw her There's, off the bridge. There's nothing else to look at on the bridge. This person clearly <laughs> is irresponsible. Back at the, the MX club, everybody's wondering where Fran is. Richie's a little worried. But everybody's like, ah, she's she's okay. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, shut up, relax. And we find it's out where, cool. We find out where Vince was running to. It's the hospital where he goes to see Brenda, or he goes to see Heather, and to her comatose state, apologizes for everything. Which Brenda walks in and hears all this confession as if she needed confirmation as to who did what. So she beats him up, but he like runs off and he's running down the street having flashbacks. Yeah, of the awful things that were done to Heather. But you know what's not awful? As Brenda drives home, we kick in Justice for One. Justice for One. The best song. This song has been in my head since I've watched this movie. The first time we watched this, like, you lit up when this song played. You were like, it hit every beat you wanted it to hit. <laughs> like, it started out, and you're like, yes, yes. And then it hit the chorus, and you're like, yes, money, you did it. 
it was like when I watched it this time after the movie uh, ended, I went back to this scene and watched it again because that song rocks that hard. Yeah. So the song plays and Linda Blair, we first we get her nude in a tub smoking a cigarette, just staring and, and, off like I'm going to kick some ass. And uh, again, it's it's like, all right, we get to see Linda Blair's rocking body. But at the same time, like not like this. Like, you know, like, like if this would have been earlier in the movie, like if it would have been in the shower scene, like before bad things happened to Heather, totally awesome. Hey, but she this... only signed on for stationary tub nudity. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we, we've had her, her, her deaf sister raped and in the hospital, her pregnant friend thrown off a bridge. And then, like, you know, minutes later, that's when we get to see her naked. It's like, oh, well, no. Oh. So what? So you know, watch the movie, but then later just watch this yeah. and take it out of context and just try to enjoy it. I guess. Yeah. After the top, she gears up during this song, still going on. I have to say that part of her zipping up her top—that's pretty hot. It is hot. It I is will hot. not lie. Good job, Steinman. But she like, yeah, she starts gearing up with like a knife, cool bracelets or whatever. And her mom gets a call, which I think is to say that Francine has died. Find Brenda, and she's gone. Like, we didn't know, we don't know if Brenda was grounded or something, but she went out her window. I guess she didn't want her mom to see her in her murder cat suit. Right. I guess. Yeah. Uh, That's more or less what she's wearing. She's wearing, it's kind of like a cat suit with like a really like high, like a a popped collar, kind of is what she's wearing. Linda Blair pops her collar a lot in this movie. Thing, she means man. business. Yes. Her first stop, Vince's house, where she convinces his dad that she's there to work on a school project. The way she shows up at the yes. door, it's a you got they they meant this to be funny, right? Like this wasn't but, just like an accident. They had to. The way that she sang it too, like yeah. we're working on a project together. You know, it's just kind of over the top. And like you know, we said she's wearing like a cat suit. Her hair is all done up, like. No. And she like, walks it, in his bedroom, just like flips a knife on him. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. He, he tells her uh, uh, tells her everything, and he spills the beans on Francine, which Brenda didn't know. So she extra loses it on him. Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she doesn't kill him. She throw, no. has the knife up to his throat and stuff, but she leaves him be, and she goes back to the store at the beginning. You remember that store? We said it was going to come in handy, and buys, like, the bear traps and crossbow. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, we see her, like, throw her stuff, like, in, in her car and the supplies, and then uh, she, she goes off. She goes off. And uh, meanwhile, at the the base of the scars, the scarage. Scar base. The scarage. Jake leaves Red and Fargo alone, taking the car out. I, I So we're at the scars base, and Brenda confronts them. She comes walking out. Welcome home, assholes. You must be out of your mind coming here. Maybe she's looking for a little bit of what we gave her sister, huh? (laughs) Maybe she's looking for a whole lot more of what we gave her sister. How about it, Brenda? The both of us at once, baby. You're gonna love it. Hey. What is it? Wait a minute, man. I don't like it. Something's weird. What's the matter, boys? You get a little girl all hot and horny? And lose your nerve? What a shame. I'm gonna fuck that bitch. Yeah. And uh, this time she's got like a same outfit, but she's got like a little holster like on her leg. 
like it, like like one of those impractical GI Joe leg holsters. <laughs> but this is actually practical, but so so it's even more awesome. Right. And after some some taunting, she ducks into their little warehouse and they chase after her. Fargo's all like, "Yeah, man, fucker." Cuz that's yeah. his first thought. I'm going to fuck her. Like that and I'm not going to stop her, kill her. He's going to fuck her. Because he's a monster, he's probably going to have sex with her and then brutally murder her because yeah. he's an awful, awful human being. Yeah, and the red guy, he he's ch- giving chase, but he's timid. He's a little scared. They well, fight. he's not. The, yeah, Fargo's the one yelling that he's go- they're going to play hide the salami. Yes. I just love funny games. The game we got in mind is called hide the salami. You like hide the salami, don't you, Brenda? All you fucking cunts like hide the salami. Fargo, you know, he's well, he thinks he's found her, and it's a tape recorder set up of her just talking and stuff. And he finds the bear traps, and Fargo, like, finds her, shoots, and, and she comes out. She's got a crossbow and shoots an arrow right through his damn neck. Badass. Yeah. Instantly dead. And these practical effects are really good, too. For as cheap as this movie probably was, these look awesome. And I love... What's even better is that not only does the arrow go through his neck, but before Linda Blair shoots the crossbow like a badass at him. The game's over, bitch. This time you're dead for sure. First, I'm going to fuck you. And then I'm going to slice you into little pieces. Sounds nice and kinky to me. Too bad you're not double-jointed. Why? Because if you were, you'd be able to bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. Right through his neck. Linda Blair's on record saying that's one of her favorite lines she's ever said in a film. It's pretty good. I won't lie. So Red is now left running around. And I I have (laughs) this... He's running around. He's like, hey, Fargo. Fargo's like, where's the pussy? And he's saying it in the most, like, unconvincing manner, as if, like, this, like, super flamboyant gay man's trying to act as overly straight as possible. Mm-hmm. I absolutely like, agree. Hey, hey, Fargo, uh, where, you know, where's the pussy? Because, you know, the dick goes in it, right? Like, it's like, I, like, I like girls, too, so we're cool, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so unconvincing. Well, maybe he's confused because of that kiss that he had with Fargo. That's true. He's probably afraid that Fargo is going to mount him next. True. So he, he finds Fargo dead, and Brenna confronts, confronts him and scares him into falling into the bear traps. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Meanwhile, Jake has stalked Vince to his work, and he runs him over with his car, which Vince could have jumped out of the way, but he just stands with his arms out. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't even move. He's just kind of like like a gingerbread man stance and just gets nailed by the car. And that's what you get for being friends with monsters. (laughs) Well, it's about the only other bad thing that Jake could do other than start nuclear war. Cause he's done so many bad things in this movie. So he's like, all right, well I'll just run some over with my car now just to get that off his bucket list. That's all I got left to do. (laughs) He then returns home and finds Fargo and Red just dead. Yeah, that she 
what what happens is you know a, a warehouse like the 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 door if like you lift it up then you walk in and when he lifts it up on a forklift red and fargo are tied to the front of the thing you know one with an arrow through his neck and the other one with the the, the bear trap and when i saw that i thought so linda blair's character drug both these guys to the front tied them both up with rope Left they're not the bear traps on the one yeah exactly the bear trap that's got added about 20 30 pounds and fargo was nothing but muscle so she had to drag like she had to set the scene She's to scare jake yeah like she couldn't just like wait for Jake to find the bodies in there. It was like right from the beginning. It's like when he gets over here, I want him to know I'm going to murder him. She's outside and like taunting him, and he just pulls a gun, starts firing aimlessly. Like I heard a voice, I'm going to fire a gun. He just shoots blankly into the shadows, yeah. and and in return he gets air an arrow in each thigh. Yeah. Again, from the dark. Yes, from the dark. And then he sits and he pulls both arrows out, pulling out like meat. Yeah. Chunks of his body. Mm-hmm. And then decides he continues to fire out into nothing until he's out of bullets. And he's like, I didn't manage to hit you, did I? <laughs> he's just checking the status of the yeah. situation. No, Jake. You didn't get me. But I'm definitely going to get you. No! Oh. oh my. I missed. And I did so want to see you bleed to death. Oh well. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Oh look. No more arrows. But I'll tell you what. I've got some more in the car. Now, don't go away. She delivers the line kind of like how she delivered the line when she went to Vinny's house. She says something like, um, it's like, oh, my, I'm all out of arrows. But I've got more in the car. Yeah, it's kind of kind of neat. And it just what makes it even funnier is like her hair, because it's even bigger at this point. It's like like. She she went and got like a diffuser and just made her hair just freaking huge at this point. Yes, it goes with the music, it goes with the outfit, it goes with the the energy of the movie. So she says she's gonna get more ammo, goes to her car, which you know Jake of course follows, and finds himself by a fence which has a gate. But when he opens it up, his legs get tied together, and she strings him up. And she does uh, pulls out her knife and threatening to gut him like a pig, but she talks a little too much, and he manages to catch her off guard, smacking her with like the gate door. Yes. And he mm-hmm. gets down from his rope, and they have a struggle. But then she she manages during the struggle to grab a knife and she stab him in the dick. I couldn't tell if it was his dick or the leg. I like to think it's his dick because he's a monster. I thought it was in like the gut, but like when he went to pull it out, it looked like he was pulling it out of his crotch. I think it's I think it's more suiting to be in his crotch yeah, because I'd say she, so. she she wants to draw it out. She wants to take away his weapon, so that's what she did. Yep. And here at Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we like to watch movies where people get stabbed in the dick, apparently. <laughs> It's a running theme. The chase leads into a hardware store, 
and Brenda finds herself, you know, locked in because the front, you know, those gated things that you pull the clothes overnight is shut with padlock. She hides from Jake, who's running around trying to find her in there, and opens a can of paint or paint thinner. Yes, yeah, it just like all like we know paint. is it says it's flammable, really Correct. big. Mm-hmm. And she dumps it on him. She gets her lighter out and lights him on fire. He's burning, burning, and jumps out the window and pretty much burns to death as the cops show up. And the the next scene is not in a jail cell. No. The next scene <laughs> is in a graveyard. You would expect uh, it to be in a jail cell because uh, Blair murdered uh, some people that night. And right. it's not just that she murdered them. It's that uh, the cops showed up directly after she did it. Right. right at the scene where she killed the last guy. It's not going to, they're not going to say like, hey, how did all these people die? Like, I did it. Uh, they raped uh, my sister. Oh, they did? Okay. And they killed Two- my pregnant friend. Oh, really? Okay, great. Two wrongs make a right. Goodbye. Have a nice night. You know, she'd be, she would be going You're to court. You're in high school? Oh, that's just a warning. <laughs> Slap on the wrist. Like, literally. Like, don't do that again, young lady. All right, get out of here. Go get some taffy or whatever you kids are into. The, the girls go to visit Francine's tombstone, and we have a healthy Heather there. And Blair is dressed pretty more conservatively than before. To visit the girls. Yeah, she's dressed like she's 35. It's yeah. really weird. And they mention that Francine apparently knows that they took care of business. And they're like, you, we didn't do anything. You went out and get that. Don't don't pull us into this. You're going to go to jail. <laughs> like, 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 just in case she's wearing a wire. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as we pan out from the grave, our last badass song plays, No More Innocence. This concrete carpet is cold wall to wall. These neon rainbows hold no gold at all. You've got the night, you've got the moon, you've got the tears, right much too Pretty good, but when the movie was ending, I was really hoping that Justice for All would yeah. play again. Uh, there was another song in the club that was pretty cool, too, a bassy one mm-hmm. that they had that was pretty notable. But, they, yeah, this song's got an awesome soundtrack, and that's that's how we end our our movie. This is basically uh, Linda Blair's Death Wish. Yes, I um, I like this more than Death Wish. It's more fun to watch than – I mean – I I put it away. This movie has a brutal rape in it, but it's it's a fun movie. It's got an energy to it, like that that gets you down, but it gets you down in the right sort of way that moves the rest of the movie. Like it's 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 effective without just making you feel disgusted. Yeah, the like movie. the um like the rape and murder in Death Wish. It just makes you feel like icky. Uh, uh, it it makes you. I mean, I don't want to say a snuff film. It doesn't yeah. feel like that. But, but but you just feel bad. You feel like a bad human being for what you just saw. With this, I mean, you don't feel good. 
but it sets. It, I'm, I'm not sure how to describe it. Death it Wish is a good movie. This is a more, but I mean, you got to be in a mood this, maybe for it. This is more. This has uh, better pacing. I feel like in Death Wish, like it, it, there's parts where it drags. Or um, like the whole scene where like he goes goes like the Arizona right is that right or New Mexico I can't yeah. remember but he, he goes out west and like that whole scene like it's important for him to go out there so he gets the gun but at the same time it just goes on for a while it's like why the hell are we out here why did he have to go across the country to get a gun whereas with this it doesn't really drag it it always it keeps moving right. and um this one plays uh, more paced like the death wish sequels than yes yes yeah there's yeah there's no uh, there's no lulls in this movie so that's that's really good and it's got a killer soundtrack that just mo- helps move it's a player in this movie i think the, the it music is. and the soundtrack like it's it sets the tone very well i uh, john farmhand yeah. is his name and he he wrote I don't know what else he's done besides this but he wrote some rockin ass songs. But yeah, this movie it's just oh man, it's a yeah, it's a it's a awesome. You like the revenge in this movie. You get pumped and it's not just cheap kills, they're creative kills mm-hmm. with some cool gore, some good effects. I mean, it's a low budget production, and it's impressive what they can pull off. And what they do, and it's got characters that are just like highly memorable too. Yeah, like, and it, this is a rare instance where you actually feel like I don't know if I want to say sympathy for one of the bad guys, but you don't outright want him murdered. You, it's kind of a gray area with him. You've seen this kind of guy in like a movie before, but maybe this guy's like one of the first kind of his type. You know, the gang member that's timid that didn't want to be there. So yeah, there was you know really two, yeah there, there there weren't too many movies before this where in uh, in the rape scene there there were really two victims in it and that's I don't know I don't know, I think that says a lot you wouldn't expect something like that to be in a movie like this so that's pretty cool go fucking iceberg now it's time for us to rate today's film Savage Streets. As we are called Cinema Cavalcade, our ratings system tries to go as such. Our options are to stay with our family. You're, you're not a fan of the movie. You want to stay at home. You're, you're the Vinny of the gang. You're converted. You enjoyed the movie, thought it was solid. Maybe perchance to see it again. Sort of the, the red character. And drinking the Kool-Aid. You're all in. You're crazy about Savage Streets. You're the, the Fargo of the bunch. It's just a bit much. So, Cullen, how do you rate Savage Streets? Well, I don't want—I don't want to be compared to Fargo, but I am absolutely drinking the Kool-Aid on this. I—I I thought it was great. I love revenge movies, uh, and this was uh, this was excellent. This is one—I don't know if it's one of the best I've seen um, because I don't have a list of my favorite revenge movies. But this is awesome. There's—I've uh, seen like um, another like. Um, like a rape revenge movie I've seen was like the nail gun massacre and that dragged and it was boring. This was not like that. This is a, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't know how to say it, but if you like rape revenge movies, this is awesome. Or you could, if you just like revenge movies, this is a great movie. And yeah, I just, any excuse to watch uh, Linda Blair, I will usually take and that doesn't hurt either. What did you? Uh, what would you think, Brandon? How would you rate this movie? I, 
I drink the Kool-Aid hard on this movie. It's it's so it's a, it's a fun movie. It's, you know, like you said, it's it's one of my favorite revenge films ever because it's, you know, it's not dead serious on everything. It takes the serious parts serious enough but isn't afraid to go bonkers in other areas. Linda Blair's great. She's having a blast with this movie. You can tell she loves this role. Uh, gives it a bunch. It's fun to see her in this, and it's fun to see um, a fan of Linnea Quigley, too, in this early role, in such an innocent role with something bad happened to her. But, like, uh, she became known in her career for, like, you know, being in horror movies and, and showing her body. It's another thing she's known for. But she's... Um, Hopefully it's under not horrific circumstances No, in not, other ones. not usually under horrific circumstances. But, she, you know, she became some of the underground uh, cult movie superstar back in, in in the 80s and early 90s this was early very early on in her career i think you know like i said the characters are memorable you can remember each member of that gang the bad guys none of them goes unnoticed it's got creative action scenes a, a killer soundtrack it moves it's got an energy to it it's just it's a it's a movie that just you know gets you going a high 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 recommend for this movie seven streets it's it's a shame danny steinman didn't do more because i the two quote-unquote mainstream films he did i've liked a lot and we'll, we'll one day we will get to friday the 13th part five and we'll we'll because people may look at us like what you guys like part five and we'll show you we'll tell you why we like part five but i would have liked to see more from danny steinman he's passed away a couple years ago but you know he left us with these two films and I'm more, there are two I'm more than happy to revisit on many occasions. I guess we'll just have to watch his uh, his porn movies in order to, to watch. Oh it's, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> the it's story not good. drags. You on. know what? I wanted I, f- I forgot to mention, but I want to add like the his his take on like Hollywood Boulevard at night, like the city. Like mm-hmm. I felt like it could have been. It felt like it could have been the inspiration for like the New York of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoons like in the first early season run like when they're out in the mm. city mm-hmm. it feels like gross and stuff like that. Hmm. Well, New York was very gross at that time. Well, so, so was Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> so, so yeah, absolutely. So that would be great if <laughs> I mean it just it felt like it, they feel like they're in the same universe. That'd be that'd be great if uh the cartoon the style of it was inspired by Savage Streets. In my mind, that's what happened. Happy yeah. birthday, Linda yeah. Blair. We both highly recommend Savage Streets drinking that Kool-Aid. Go fuck an iceberg. <laughs> On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be shifting our tonal gears for a moment and discussing Walter Hill's 1978 film, The Driver, starring Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Dern, Isabella Johnny, and Ronnie Blakely. You can find the film on DVD and in Foreign Territory Blu-rays. Our episode has come to an end. Thank you for sticking with us. Hopefully the driver will be good. I, I've never heard of it. Uh, hopefully Brandon didn't steer us wrong. <laughs> we look forward to next time, but first stay tuned for the trailer for The Driver. The trailer... That actually trails. 20th Century Fox presents Two Men on Opposite Sides of the Law. Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Dern, and between them, 
Isabella Johnny. Three loners playing a ruthless game none of them could afford to lose. In The Driver. Ryan O'Neill is the driver. My line of work is kind of hard to come by. His reputation, the best wheel man in the city. Did you ever get caught on one of your jobs? Hasn't happened yet. Bruce Dern is the detective. I'm very good at what I do. His reputation, the toughest cop in the city. You saw the man who was driving the car, yet you didn't identify him. Do you got a reason? I just don't like you. You get out of my town because you go out on one more job and I'm gonna nail you. You might be getting too big. Two men driven by their need to prove they were the best. How are you gonna get downstairs? Sounds like you got a problem. I'm much better at this game than you are. You win, you make some money. I win. You're gonna do 15 years. To them, the money, the law, even their lives no longer counted. You don't care about the money. Might even send it to him. Who was best was all that mattered. To break the cop, the driver was willing to risk it all. To break the driver, the cop was willing to break the law. Go ahead, throw it! It'll cost you two years. Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Dern, Isabella Johnny, the driver. A ruthless game between two legends. listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the A Touch of Crass podcast, also found on the Dead Radio Entertainment Network and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find more of my work on Why So Blue. My Twitter handle is at BT Peters. You can find Linda Blair on Twitter at Real Linda Blair. Our producer is Brad Shoemaker. Podcast edited by Brandon. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf found on the freemusicarchive.org website. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. fucking iceberg so we need brenda to show up in the uh teenage mutant ninja turtles uh next teenage mutant ninja turtle movie <laughs> i guess we do but who but who do you get to play brenda who who's that caliber of actor i don't know i don't know who's today's linda blair nobody um, there is only linda blair which of okay. course what'd you say uh i'm trying to think of what her name is um oh, what's her name uh Dodario, what's her name? Alexandria um, Dodario. What? What? Alexandria Dodario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexandria Dodario. She's gorgeous. I was like, that's good enough. Just th- throw her in a cat suit and make her shoot people. There Perfect. you go. That, so we're calling for the 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 reboot of Savage Streets with Alexandria Dodario. <laughs> exactly. She doesn't have to smoke a cigarette in a bathtub.
But at some point, don't Texas Chainsaw 3D us. You have to get naked. Yeah, we I'm saw sorry. True Detective. We saw True Detective. We know you're not <laughs> against it. Exactly. You can you can be in a bathtub relaxing, just you know, getting your muscles warmed up before you go murder a bunch of people. That's totally cool. Whatever you are cool with, that's what we're in it down for. Thank you. Now blow your nose and get the hell out of here. <laughs>